series we launched a few weeks ago called uh, Beginning Again. And thankfully, God gives us the ability to begin again and again in life. I, I'm very grateful to know a gracious God who allows us to keep starting over. I need do-overs. I have regrets, just like everybody else. And so we've looked, the very first week, we looked at the ultimate answer to what is really a spiritual problem, what, what's going on in here tends to show up in the way we live. And so we, we need, we need uh, God to bring life spiritually out of the death that we experience naturally. So we looked at that the first week. Then we looked at how to, how to begin again, even in spite of your past, how to rebuild trust in relationships. And today we're going to look at how to start over financially and just just some broad perspective and ideas, principles to focus on as you think about starting over financially. You know, money, money is a huge part of life. It's, it's something we, we deal with every day. And maybe you'd like a do-over in the way that you've handled your finances and you'd like to begin again. When it comes to spending, it's amazing how quickly things can go south, sort of like avalanche downward, and you're just, you get buried in it. It's, it's amazing. Um, early in our marriage, Cindy and I had to learn about budgeting. My, my budget plan before I got my, my, grace, my parents graciously helped me through college, so my, my budgeting plan before marriage was call my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and say, hey, I, I could really use this. What do you think? And she was easy, honestly. She was easy. Um, but early in our marriage, I lost a great paying job. And so we ended up being down 75% of what we anticipated would be our, our income at the first of our marriage. So we we... It was uh, amazing. I was working at General Motors, making Cadillacs, and it was 79, 1979, and the the gas crunch hit, and Cadillacs, we made less Cadillacs, and Randy was gone, and his plush job that he planned on enjoying for the first year of marriage at least before I went to graduate school was gone. So we began to experience budget mode because we had a lot of play in, in our, with our income at the very beginning for the month. It was a great month. It was a fantastic month. But God realized we're going to have, we're not going to be able to live like that. Okay. And so we need to learn how to go into budget mode. And frankly, Cindy's much better in budget mode than I am. Um, I've, gotten better at it, but I tend to think there's a great deal of flexibility with a budget, and it's a lot more like steel than it is aluminum. You know, you can't bend it. There's this financial reality that you keep running into uh, if you keep blowing past the amount of income that you make. So that's what I've been learning and, and I know living paycheck to paycheck is very, very stressful. There can be concern and pressure that never leaves. It never goes away. 
how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to pay for that? What if this happens? What if this thing occurs and I'm, where am I going to get the money for that? How will I make it to the end of the month financially? And then when it comes to debt, the pressure just compounds. It, it just increases. You look at the repayment schedule for the debt and you just kind of, ha, ha, ha. How's that going to happen? How, how is that? This is going to take forever. I, I, don't, I can't remember which movie that's from, but I, I can see the scene. Forever. We can try to ignore the pressure. We can try to ignore it and not let it get to us. But the reality of our financial situation just doesn't go away. I enjoy the ESPN programs um, 30 for 30. And there's one one of the ESPN programs. It's usually about it's behind the scenes about an athlete. We see them on the field. They're doing their thing, football, baseball, basketball, whatever sport it is, soccer. Um, but these these programs go behind the scenes. And there's one 30 30 uh, that's titled Broke. And it's a documentary that follows the lives of some athletes in the years following their retirement from their sport. And it's based on a Sports Illustrated article, and this is what the article said. Within five years of retirement, an estimated 60% of former NBA players are broke. By the time they have been retired for two years, 78% of former NFL players have gone bankrupt or under financial stress. Now, that's, that's crazy to us, to many of us, because NBA players in 2010, their average salary was $5 million a year. So we look at that. How in the world does that happen? What is going? Where did all their money go? Where did it go? What happened to them is what happens to a lot of us. The athletes grew their expenses based on the level of income they had in the moment. And then once they retired, the income wasn't there. They had to keep up. They were under the tyranny of keeping up with the, num- with the expenses and the bills that they had established while they had a certain level of income. It's a trap. It's a trap to keep growing your expenses and not growing your income. Because then you're locked in and you've got to keep up with that tyranny that happens. You know, sometimes it's easy to feel like money has a life of its own or a mind of its own. You know, it's kind of like a cat. You know, we, we have the illusion, I think, that cats are pets. But does anybody really own a cat? You don't really own a cat. I have a saying, you know, hey, when something's hard to control, it's like herding cats. You know, you don't herd cats. There are no cat herders. It just it just doesn't happen. Um, the truth is money doesn't have legs to run. It goes where you tell it to. And so even as hard as it is to admit my money goes where I tell it to go. It's, it's, it's being directed where I send it. It doesn't have a mind of its own. I'm responsible for what goes on with my money. In this series, we've been talking about 
beginning again. And today we're going to talk about what it looks like to begin again financially. What, what does that look like? You, you may have thought it sure would be nice to hit a big red reset button. Here's one on the screen. and Wouldn't that be great? Everything goes away, cancel my current debt, settle all my accounts, put all my money that I wasted back into my account. That'd be awesome. That'd be fantastic. Well, obviously, that's a dream. That, that button does not exist. We can't reset our finances, but what we can do is rewire our approach to our finances. If you're in money trouble and you don't approach finances differently, the trouble you experience bleeds over into your relationships. I believe it's the number one cause of of divorce, financial difficulty. It stymies our enjoyment of life. And we're buried under a mountain of debt and it's heavy load. It's a heavy load to bear. The stress is too much. To rewire, we need new perspective and new priorities which turn into new practices. This, this, is, this is what we need. If we're going to really rewire our approach to money or really anything, we need new perspectives, new priorities, and they become new practices as we got our mind and hearts around those things. So let's look at God's guidance for changing our approach to money because we're going to dig in and we're going to find out what the Bible says is the accurate perspective on money and what the priorities should be. And then we're going to launch from there. So we're going to go look at some practical practices based on those perspectives and priorities. The Bible says a lot about money because... As we work under God's leadership to change the way we view and handle money, there's a ton of spiritual growth to be had. Because money has this direct tie to our heart. I mean, we spend a lot of time earning money. We spend a lot of time thinking about how we're going to spend money. And our heart is all wrapped up into our money. And so it's through our our budget, really, that God can get our attention and begin to work in our lives in ways that he can't. So the Bible has a ton to say, a lot to say about money, because there is so much growth spiritually and personally that can come as we begin to understand his perspective, his priorities that turn into the practices that please him. So that's really what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at how to rewire our approach so that God can grow the faith and character in us like he can in no other arena of life. So let's dig into how to reset financially. To act differently means we need to see and think differently about our situation. You can't separate our money from God. We try to do that. We try to put God in this compartment and then money and budget and finances are in this compartment and so on and so on. But God doesn't stay in any one compartment of life. He's over the whole uh, arena of life. He's over every part of life. And so he gets directly involved in 
our finances. So part of hitting the reset button, in fact, the, the first step to hitting the reset button is to remember where our money comes from. The source. All we have flows from the hand of God. It's it's. It's important if we're going to reset, I must first acknowledge my ability to make money is a gift from God and thank him for it. That's where it starts. This is easy to forget. Because we work, we get paid, and then we spend what we have because our name's on the paycheck, it's on, our name's on the bank account. And it's very easy to forget where it comes from. A major aspect, though, of following Christ is to be conscious of God's role in our life. That's what it means. We need to be conscious of his role. And the scripture tells us that all good things are a gift from God. Look at James 1, 16 through 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. My ability to make money, my life, my skill, my talent, all of it, all of these are gifts from God. This, this is his provision out of his kindness to us so that we can live life, so that we might be able to enjoy life. We learned some important things in this passage, and I want to walk through it a little bit. First, it's, it's easy to be deceived. Uh, the verse is right before um, 16 here where it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Uh, in, in James 1, in about 13 through 15, they point to the source of temptation. And, and they explain that, you know, when we're tempted... It's we sort of want to blame God for putting us or allowing the situation to come about. But the explanation is that our temptations grow out of our desires. Then they're, they're, our desires give birth to temptation. And then sin grows out of the temptation as we follow along our desires. And so these verses come right after that. And the idea is God's not tempting anyone. He's not tempting us, but when things are messed up financially, it's easy to blame God. When things are messed up in our life, it's very easy to put the blame on him because, hey, God, I need more money. It's like calling my mom, (laughs) you know, I need money. That's not the way it works. I got married. I had to grow up. And God says, hey, it's not the way it works. I give you enough. And you've got to now figure out how to make it last, how to make it work. So this is what was saying, hey, it's not God's fault. This description here in this passage is showing how our, our bad decisions are not God's fault. He has nothing to do with them. But they flow from our desires that tempt us. And that grow into and give birth to sin. This is the way it flows. In the air of our finances, we may want to blame God for allowing us to get in the tough spots we're in, for not bailing us out of this, the spots, and we become bitter. But the deception here, do not be deceived, is pointing your finger at God and putting the blame on Him. 
for the trouble you've created for yourself. James is saying the opposite is true. All the good that you experience and the things you've received in life are from God. Our mindset then should shift from accusation toward God to adoration of him. There's a major shift that has to take place. This is part of that perspective, the perspective that we have to choose. Like, you know, a finger pointing up when an athlete scores a touchdown. I don't know if you watched college football yesterday. You know, hey, hey, yeah. If they're not making some other really foolish move that gets a penalty for their team, you know, some of them, you know, hey, thanks. You know, we get a paycheck or it goes into our account, direct deposit. Hey, thanks, God. Thank you. Our, our accusation, this passage is saying our accusation should turn to adoration. Our problems have nothing to do with God they, they, in, in terms of him being to blame. He allows life to flow into our, our experience the way it does. But we create trouble and we tend to blame him. Verse 18 reminds us God is from above. He's the father of light. There is no shadow of ulterior motive with God. He does not change. He provides for his children and he always will. We can count on him. We can trust him. That's the new perspective that we need to adopt. All we have is a gift from a gracious God. A very kind God. Very gracious. Once we see that God is for us, then we can learn and follow God's plan for wise money management. Because whatever is in our heart shows up in the way we do and say things. And it works out in the way we handle money for sure. So this means we, we need to wrap around our, our, our heart around uh, what matters to God in two ways. We need to adopt his perspective on our finances and we need to approach planning his way. And I just want to walk through this and give a broad picture of what Scripture says about these matters. I'm not going to land on any one passage, but just get a broad, sweeping view of what the Bible says so that we can gather the perspective and uh, gain the priorities and understanding of the right priorities so that we can live out the right practices. So the first thing we must do is adopt God's perspective. First, first core perspective that you find in the Bible is that he's the owner of everything I possess. God owns it all. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. You find out in scripture that God owns all the silver and gold. He owns all the land. He's he's. All of the real estate on earth is his. Every animal belongs to God. It's, it's all his. We belong to God, along with everything we own. In reality, we don't own anything. Whether you're buying or leasing a car or you're renting or paying a mortgage on a house, you're, you're just renting it. It's you're going to someday you're going to pass it on. It's not going to last for you're not going to be here forever. You're going to last forever, but you're not going to be on earth at forever. So you're really just leasing whatever it is you have. You're renting, leasing. 
And then you give it to someone else. You, when you go on into eternity. This is reality. This means I'm not the owner of my stuff. I'm just the steward of my stuff. God's the owner. He's given it to me to manage well in a way that pleases him. This is a major piece of perspective we, we need from, from uh, the Bible that the Bible gives us. And it frees us up. Think about that. I mean, you may, you may be thinking, oh, I'm renting this apartment and life is never going to be fulfilled until I purchase a home. Actually, what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of maintenance. <laughs> but hey, it is a step. It's, 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 it's progress. But you know what? Even when you purchase the home, you begin to pay it down, what you owe on the home. You're just renting for a little while, and then you're going to pass it along. This, for me, is helpful. This frees me up to be a little detached from my stuff, to pull back from it and gain the perspective that I need to be the steward that God wants me to be, which is the next piece of perspective. A good steward knows their exact financial condition. There's... Sometimes uh, when, when we learn to trust God, it's easy to say, hey, hey, I'm just going to be careless with my money because God's going to cover me anyway. It's like, you know, I'm gonna, it's like calling mom, you know, God's going to cover it. So I'm not going to pay real close attention to the, the bottom line with my finances. But in Scripture, God says that a good steward knows their exact financial condition look at proverbs 27 know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds for riches do not last forever and does a crown endure to all generations so we here here's the idea in this passage your your money can be fleeting and even though it's temporary it's a temporary thing what you own is, is a temporary thing. The perspective in Scripture is you can use a temporary thing for eternal good. And so we need to know exactly where we're at. For a long time, I didn't want to know where I was at financially. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't really want to know. I don't, because I can't figure out how I'm going to make it in the last part of this month. But it turns out, as I've grown in this area, it turns out knowing exactly where you're at is the key to figuring out exactly what you need to do to make the right kind of progress forward. So this is what Scripture says. Good steward knows exactly where they're at. This way, we can use our temporary money that isn't going to last forever for eternal purposes and eternal good. We can pour it into the right things. And I have an app that tells me exactly where I'm at. You know, just, it's easy these days. Just get an app and track your money and find out where you're at exactly. But a good steward knows that. Another major piece of perspective in Scripture related to our money is the borrower is servant to the lender. 
The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a slave of the lender. In our world, it seems like debt gives us the freedom to enjoy right now what I can't afford to enjoy right now. But the truth is the Bible shows us that debt makes us a slave. We presume that we'll continue to be healthy and gainfully employed to service the debt. And when something happens that we can't foresee, the tyranny of keeping up kicks in. And we're trapped. Debt limits our freedom to love and to give and to serve others and to serve God. Opportunities to help with money come up, but if you have financial obligations, you're not as free to give. Maybe if you wouldn't have made those decisions earlier on, there'd be more room in the budget, but no. Or we get a sense to go that God wants us to go into some kind of ministry or to move somewhere to serve, but we're gonna, it's gonna require lesser income, and we can't, we can't, we're trapped, we're stuck. The borrower is servant. To the lender. It's slavery, really. The discipline needed to get out of debt is fertile ground for spiritual growth because it requires faith. We have to trust God. And I've found that God is very gracious in helping me figure this out. But it's fertile ground for spiritual growth because as we walk with God, He He changes us as we bring our heart and life in line with his ways. Excuse me. So this is an important thing. Getting out of debt, seeing debt for what it is. It's slavery and I need to get out. This is the new perspective. These are the pieces of perspective that we need to begin again. And we also need new priorities and practice so that we can approach financial planning God's way. When we decide to follow Christ, the Bible becomes our guide. That's what it means. It, it's, it's teaching on finances, someone said, is like a master's level course at least in money management. At least. There's a tremendous amount of wisdom in Scripture as to how to handle our, our finances. We're designed to be fully ingrained systems as people. Like factory stereo in the car always looks better and seems to work the way it should. Uh, it fits perfectly on the dashboard and, and it's, it's integrated. It works. The Bible shows how to integrate our faith with who God is and matching it up to our finances. So here's a brief overview of the guidance you find in the Bible in order of priority that you find there. Uh, These are the new priorities and practices that we need to adopt. First, give off the top. That's that's the the word of Scripture. Honor the Lord with your wealth and worth the first fruits of all your produce. Giving off the top reminds us that everything, it's an expression, it's an act of adoration, it's worship. God You are my number one priority. And as we give off the top, the first fruits, it reminds us, and it's an expression of the fact that God is the one who gives us the ability to do and to to make money and to earn it. And so 
we express faith as we do that. Second priority in practice is to save for emergencies. Proverbs 22. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. We've done some financial peace groups here at church in the valley, and Dave Ramsey suggests that the first thing to do when working out of a financial hole is after giving, after your tithe, to save $1,000 for emergency. And the reason is that provides a little shelter when surprises show up in your life. It gives a little shelter. That's It's an application of this passage. The next thing that the scripture advises you to do is to get out of the debt trap. I mean, there's some play in how much to save for emergencies, whether to save for emergencies or debt. I mean, this, that, that part's not in the scripture, but the, the Bible says, save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of a fowler. The reference here is to co-signing alone. You know, somebody asks you to, uh, they, they can't afford to get a certain loan themselves, like a teenager for a car or something. And so you co-sign for the loan. And, then, you know, you're expecting them to pay the payments and you agree to pay the payments if they can't pay the payments. That's what this is re- referenced to here in this passage. But it's the same attitude the scripture has toward debt. Get out of it. As quickly as you can do whatever it takes to get out of debt while you keep things in the order that God's laid out. The second, the next thing, the next priority and practice is to save for the short term and the long term. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Basically, Solomon's saying you can learn a lot from an ant. Okay. I'm basically spend most of my time trying to get rid of ants. I think Diamond Bar is on an ant hill. But we can learn a lot from ants. Because consider her ways, he says, and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So, save for the short term and for the long term. This isn't the Bible, this is an opinion, but Dave Ramsey suggests saving three to six months for emergencies and also beginning to invest in your later years for uh, the time when you aren't going to be able to earn, earn money any longer. And then the scripture says, live on the rest. Okay, make it a priority to give, to get out of debt, to save, and then live on the rest. That's the hard part. We want to live first and then do the other stuff. But this is the priority. And, and the perspective behind that priority and practice is this. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. We all make trade-offs based on what's most important to us. And it's easy to trade peace of mind for stress. Because we want to live at a certain level. So what we trade is the peace of mind that would come with choosing contentment with what I have right now. It's enough. I've never gone hungry. 
you've, you've likely never gone hungry. But we trade. We trade contentment with enough for the stress of striving for more and more and more and trying to reach a certain level. If knowing and pleasing God is our number one priority, we're content with enough. And we trust him with the rest. What's most important to us shows up in the way we handle our money. This is why God talks about it so much in Scripture. If you want to start over, if you want to begin again financially, go back to the one who gave us everything. And do things his way. Choose a new perspective. Every paycheck is a gift from God. Live by a new priority to please him with the way I manage. I'm just a steward. God, I want to please you with the way I manage my money and apply the new practices. Follow God's order for managing money. I'd like to wrap up the message today by asking you to uh, pull out the connection card from your program and also if the worship team would come back on stage to get ready to lead us. Uh, I'd like to ask you to begin to fill that out or complete, continue to fill out the connection card. As I mention some next steps, there may be some information that you haven't had an opportunity to fill out on the card. And when the offering ushers come around, you can drop the card in the offering. That'd be great. Uh, here's some next steps that I'm suggesting. There may be others that have come to your mind. First of all, every day this week, I'm going to thank God for the gifts he's given me. Consciously, I'm going to be conscious of him. I'm going to thank him for the gifts that he's given me. Second step, I want to check out a resource to grow in, in God's way of managing money. There's some resources listed on uh, the back of the handout in your the listening guide in the program. Um, Money Matters, Answers to All Your Financial Questions by Larry Burkett. Very, very helpful scriptural perspective, priorities and practices for handling our money. Uh, the Total Money Makeover, another very helpful book by Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. will likely offer uh, another group on this by Dave Ramsey. But check out a resource. It's going to take it's going to take some work. I think one time I read that. It takes about three years to make a budget work. You have to keep working. It's, it's, it's a matter of diligence. There's a lot of growth to be had as you work this out. Um, and then the final step is identify one way I'm out of order financially and commit to, to getting that in line with God's ways. Giving, saving, spending, or debt. You can circle one of those. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word that really is graciously helpful for us as we set out to live for you, God. I pray that you'd help us to see the steps we need to take and take those steps in a way that brings honor and glory to you. We ask, I ask for this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father. Amen.